Awesome job. Thank you, Jenna. Uh, Before we get into the sermon, would you join me in a word of prayer? Oh God, thank you again for uh, this time that we have, Lord, to turn our hearts and our minds towards you. Um, Lord, we ask you to open us up in this moment by the power of your Spirit. Uh, Open us to the message of love and comfort that you always have for us. But God, also open us to the ways that you're uh, challenging us and calling us to grow. Uh, We pray all of this in the name of your Son, who is the living word. Amen. Uh, Well, we are starting a new sermon series today, and normally when we start a new sermon series, I'm very excited about it. A lot of times I'll tell you that I'm excited about it, but one of our core values at Kindred Church is authenticity, and so in a spirit of authenticity, I must confess, this particular sermon series has been a little harder for me to get excited about than most Uh, And the reason for that is we're starting a three-week series today that is all about forgiveness, forgiveness. And if I'm honest with you, forgiveness is just one of those tough subjects that I would typically rather avoid. And part of the reason I feel comfortable sharing that with you is because I think that I'm probably not alone in that. I think many of you would probably say forgiveness is not your favorite subject either. Uh, One of the reasons I, I feel confident saying that is because of our sermon podcast, actually. Uh, So I can go on our sermon podcast and I can see how many downloads the different sermons are getting, right? So like uh, a couple years ago, I preached a sermon on lust. That got a lot of downloads. Uh, uh, A while back, I preached a sermon on science and the Bible. Got a lot of downloads. I preached a sermon on the Bible and LGBT inclusion in the church, something very important to us here at Kindred. That got a lot of downloads. I've preached multiple sermons on forgiveness, not a lot of downloads, okay? So I think we're all in this together. Forgiveness, we'd, we'd typically rather just avoid this. And so as I was starting the, the sermon preparation process this week, I decided to just kind of start there And to think about, like, why is it that this is such a tough subject? Why do we want to avoid forgiveness so much? I think there's a lot of different reasons. Uh, One reason is that for most of us, forgiveness doesn't come very naturally, right? Like, it kind of cuts against some of our our basic instincts as human beings. Like, um, you think about toddlers and how toddlers interact with each other. If you have Timmy the toddler and he's playing with his toy truck, and then Billy the toddler comes and takes away Timmy's truck, what's gonna happen? Is little Timmy gonna say like, oh well, uh, he probably needed it more than I did? No, right? Is little Timmy gonna say, I've done my fair share of snatching, I'm just gonna let this go? No, not usually, right? Timmy's gonna cry, Timmy's gonna scream perhaps, or hit or bite, right? We, We have to be trained out of that. We have to be trained into forgiveness if we ever get there at all. It's, it's unnatural. And honestly, I think for many of us as adults, we would say we're, we're often not that much better. Have you ever had the experience where you're, you're looking for a parking space in a crowded parking lot and you finally see someone backing out and uh, you, you got your blinker on, you're waiting there patiently following all the unwritten rules of parking lot etiquette. And then at the last second, some jerk whips in there and steals your spot. You know what I'm talking about? Do you forgive? 
in that moment, I think many of us go right back to being Timmy the toddler, right? We, we may not hit or bite because we don't want to go to jail, but one thing we do not do is forgive. Forgiveness is, it's unnatural. That's one of the reasons we avoid this subject, I think. Another reason that I think we avoid forgiveness is because if we're honest, uh, not forgiving can feel really good. Nursing a, a grudge can feel really, really good. I'll give you an example from my life. Don't hold this against me. But um, when I was in high school, some of you know this, when I was in high school, I really wanted to go to UNC for college. Uh, My dad worked at UNC at the time. I grew up in Chapel Hill. I had a lot of connections there. And I thought, I thought I had good enough grades to get in to UNC. And so I was a senior in high school. I applied, you know, feeling pretty confident about this, but I didn't hear back. And I waited And I waited, didn't hear back. Finally, I got a letter in the mail and it wasn't the big welcome new students packet. It was the little letter that said, we regret to inform you, you're not good enough and we reject you. That's not literally what it said, but that's how I interpreted what it said. And so did I forgive UNC for rejecting me? No, I held a grudge. And if I'm honest with you, I still hold a grudge. I know that Roy Williams did not review my application personally I know that it was no one in the athletics department, but I still root against UNC in sports to this day. I'm just saying. Now, I know a lot of you are Tar Heels, and maybe that offends you, but you're a hypocrite because you love it when Duke loses. You actively root against Duke, and I know it, right? Nursing a grudge feels so good. Now, this is silly, right? And sports rivalries, I think, are are pretty harmless, but we do the same thing in much more serious ways in our lives sometimes. And so when we start talking about forgiveness, That means letting go of these grudges that that we love to nurse. I think still another reason why we want to avoid forgiveness, and these are all probably kind of interrelated, forgiveness is deeply, deeply countercultural in our society. Uh, I was thinking this week about uh, the the different forms of entertainment that we consume, and um, I was thinking about reality TV. I don't know if any of you are Real Housewives fans. Uh, I don't really watch much Real Housewives, but I've seen enough to to get the gist. How many people would watch Real Housewives if all the ladies on the show just started forgiving each other? Like no more backbiting, no more revenge, just a kumbaya circle. Nobody would watch that, right? We want the drama. We want the conflict. Or um, I know some of you are Swifties. How popular would Taylor Swift be if all her songs were about forgiving her ex-boyfriends or the people who have wronged her? We don't want that, do we? We want bad blood and karma and look what you made me do, right? That's, that's what gets the blood pumping. Or think about the news, because some of you are like, I don't do Real Housewives, I don't do Taylor Swift, I bet you watch the news. How many people would watch MSNBC if they were always forgiving Republicans? How many people will watch Fox News if they were always forgiving Democrats? You see, for forgiveness, it's, it's challenging in part because it's, it's countercultural, right? Here's another reason why we want to avoid forgiveness. If it seems like I'm stalling to not actually talk about forgiveness, that, that's partly true. But th- I do think this is worth pointing out. Um, I lost my train of thought there because I was, I was distracted by my avoidance of forgiveness. Forgiveness, another reason we want to avoid it is because it's complicated, right? It's unavoidably complicated. Like we, we kind of know what forgiveness is in the abstract, but when we start thinking about how to actually apply it in our lives and in different situations, it's not always exactly clear. 
I came across this quote this week by a, a theologian that summed this up nicely. I wanted to, uh, to share this with you. Um, see if I can get my, my little clicker to work here. Um, he said, uh, anybody who thinks hard about forgiveness will start a lot more rabbits than he can catch. Uh, he said, the topic raises a whole nest of questions and the good answers will seldom be the easy ones, right? Forgiveness is, is complicated. So uh, I could go on, but um, there's all these reasons why we want to avoid the subject of forgiveness. And we could avoid it. We could avoid it except for Jesus. Jesus will not let us avoid this subject. Now, let me just say, uh, if you're here today and you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, maybe you're just exploring this Christianity thing or your partner made you come and you didn't wanna fight about it, so you're here, uh, that's awesome, that's great. We pride ourselves on being a church where you don't have to believe uh, what, what the church here officially teaches in order to belong here. Uh, that, that's, that's totally cool. Um, if that's you, you're kind of off the hook today for the forgiveness stuff that we're going to be talking about. Uh, you can breathe a sigh of relief. I hope you'll still pay attention to this because I think there's a compelling message here. But if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, as I do, you're not off the hook. You are on the hook, and we have to talk about this. And so, and so, and so, uh, this is why we're, even if we might rather not, we're going to do a three-week series on forgiveness. Uh, we're going to talk about why it's important, why it matters, what it means in, in different scenarios and different situations that we might find ourselves in. I can tell you right now, I'm not going to answer all your questions about forgiveness in a three-week series, but I hope that you'll embrace this as a time to reflect on this subject that Jesus tells us is, is just too important to avoid. So that's the series. That's where we're going. Does that sound good? Don't abandon me. Don't leave me alone in this difficult subject. Okay, so uh, for today, as we're just laying the foundations here, uh, this is what I want us to focus on. Why does forgiveness matter so much? We've already talked about all the reasons that it's hard, and yet Jesus tells us it's too important to avoid. Why does Jesus tell us that? Uh, there's a lot of ways that we could come at this question and a lot of passages we could probably pull from. But for our purposes, I want us to focus in on this, this passage Jenna read for us from Matthew chapter 5. And this, as we're going to see, this is a challenging passage. Um, it, it's a thinker. So I hope you drank your coffee this morning. I'm going to need your brain power, right, to stick, to stick with me. But it's going to be worth the effort because there's a very powerful message for us here. So let's talk about Matthew 5. Um, here's the context. One day, one day Jesus was out. He was in um, this place called Galilee, his home region. We've talked about this before. It was this rural area up in the northern part of Israel. And on this particular morning, Jesus went out and he started healing people. He was healing people of all kinds of different illnesses and, and diseases. And when word got out that Jesus was healing people, as you can imagine, uh, folks came running. So some were sick people who wanted Jesus to heal them. I think a lot of the people were just people who wanted to see these miracles that Jesus was doing. And so by the middle of the day, Jesus has this huge crowd on his hands. And Jesus is a preacher, right? And preacher's going to preach. So he's like, all right, I got a captive audience. Jesus goes up on the side of a mountain 
And he launches into this sermon that we now know as the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe you've heard of this, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, one of the most famous sermons Jesus ever preached. Also one of the most challenging sermons Jesus ever preached. And towards the beginning of this sermon, Jesus tells us what the sermon is about. Jesus looks at this crowd, and I think he's addressing us as well, and he says to them, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. What does that mean, Jesus? Well, he's saying, listen, if you're going to be my follower, you have a job to do. You have a calling on your life. And your job and your calling is to reflect the love of God into the world, kind of like light. You're the light of the world. Your job is to go into the world and embody God's love because the world needs to see it. People need to know what God's love looks like, and it's your job to show them. You see, that was true in the first century. I think we'd all agree the world today still needs to see God's love. Jesus says it's your job. Go and embody the love of God. In the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is kind of fleshing out in all these different ways, well, what does it look like to do that? So far, so good, right? What, what in the world does this have to do with forgiveness? Well, fast forward about a third of the way into the sermon, and Jesus says, in effect, hey, if you're going to embody God's love in the world, one thing that you must, must, must do is you must practice forgiveness, and we might say, well, hang on, Jesus, um, what does the, the love of God have to do with us practicing forgiveness? S spell this out for us. Help us connect the dots. And so Jesus says, okay, let me give you a scenario. Let me give you a hypothetical to kind of illustrate what I'm, what I'm talking about here. So let's take a look at what Jesus says in verse 23. Jesus says, think about this. Uh, Therefore, he says, uh, if you bring your gift to the altar. Now let's pause there so we can understand the scene that Jesus is setting up. Uh, in that culture at that time, if you wanted to worship God, uh, what, one of the ways that you could do that is you would get like a cow or a goat or some grain, and you would take that to the temple, which was in Jerusalem, the capital city of that region. Uh, you would take it to the temple, and with the help of a priest, you would put your cow, your goat, your grain up on the altar, and you would offer that as a gift to God. And that was kind of a way of saying, God, I worship you, God, I praise you, God, I love you. You see, and that, that may sound kind of foreign and different to us in our culture today, but I would argue we actually do something kind of similar. You know, we don't offer cows and goats and grain and things in our culture, uh, but we do offer our time, right? You're doing it right now. There's any number of things you could have been doing this morning, but, but you're here in worship offering God your time. We, we offer God our songs. We were doing that earlier. We offer God our praises, our, our prayers. All of these are, in a sense, gifts to God, our way of saying, God, I, I worship you, I praise you, I love you. So, so when Jesus says this, he's, he's putting our minds on worship. If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. So you're, you're in worship and you realize that there is some beef in your life, some conflict, some lack of forgiveness somewhere in your life. What should you do in that moment? Should you nurse that grudge because it feels so good? Should you repress that thought and just avoid thinking about it? Well, no, Jesus says if that happens, 
leave your gift at the altar and go. Go where, Jesus? Go first make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. Jesus is saying, you're worshiping, you've got some conflict in your life that's unresolved, some lack of forgiveness, you should stop worshiping, you should go out, forgive or seek forgiveness as the case may be, and then come back and then you can continue worshiping. Now, if we were gonna take Jesus super literally on this teaching, we should probably just stop worship right now and we could all go home and practice forgiving the people that we need to forgive. Uh, maybe we should do that, but I think we should stay here and worship for a little bit longer because I want us to understand why Jesus is saying what he's saying. We need to unpack this a, a little bit. Jesus is, is telling us here, uh, he's saying, listen, if you're gonna go in the world and embody my love, it's not enough to just come to worship. It's not enough. Now, Worship is super important, right? Because when we come to worship, we're spending time with God. We're learning about God. We're learning about God's character and God's heart and the way that God loves. We're deepening our own love for God. All of that is super important. It's indispensable. But Jesus is saying, if you're gonna be my follower and embody God's love in the world, just coming to worship is actually not enough. You need to go out into the world and you need to imitate God. So in other words, um, it's not enough to, to just love God. We have to go out and we have to love like God. And in order to love others like God, we have to forgive. You with me? So like just, just think about for a second, um, think about how God loves you. And think about how God loves me. Uh, there's, there's a truth that we, we don't like to think about, but it's important to remember sometimes uh, sometimes you do things that hurt people that God loves, and God is not okay with that. And sometimes I do things that hurt people that God loves, and God is not okay with that. Sometimes I'm mean, sometimes I'm greedy, sometimes I'm hateful, sometimes I'm selfish, and sometimes you are too, and God is not okay with that. And so sometimes God's not real happy with us. Sometimes God is angry with us. Sometimes, like a good, good father, like we just sang about a minute ago, like a good, good father, God allows us to experience the consequences of our hurtful behavior. But one thing God does not do, God does not nurse a grudge against us. God does not seek revenge. God does not seek payback. Why? Because even when God is not real happy with us, God still loves us unconditionally. God is deeply committed to us. God loves us. And so one way or another, God always, always forgives you and God always, always forgives me. That is how God loves you. That's how God loves me. And so Jesus is saying to us here, listen, it's not enough to just come to worship and tell God you love God. You've got to go out into the world. You've got to love others the way that God has loved you. And part of what that means is we have to practice forgiveness in the way that we ourselves have been forgiven. So, so to recap, I know there's a lot of twists and turns in there. Here's the bottom line. If I lost you, why is forgiveness so important? Why does it matter so much? Because as followers of Jesus, we're called to embody the love of God. And if we're gonna embody the love of God in this world, we absolutely must, must, must 
practice forgiveness. I wanted to start there this morning and share that with you as we're starting out this series so that we could all see at least one important reason why forgiveness is not optional for us as Christians. I know having said that, that that still leaves a whole host of questions of like, well, how do we forgive? And what does forgiveness mean in the complicated different situations that I face in my life? We're going to dig a little bit deeper into that over the next couple of weeks. But I'll end here for today. Let me leave you with one question to be thinking about this week. And the question is this, where are you avoiding forgiveness? As you think about your, your heart, uh, where is there a lack of forgiveness there? Uh, it could be that you have a family member who has been hurtful to you. It could be there's somebody that used to be your friend that wronged you in some way, it could be someone at work, a coworker, a supervisor. Uh, it could be someone in the other political party that has hurt you or, or people that you love. I don't know what it looks like for you, but where is there a lack of forgiveness? And I'm not telling you that you need to run out and forgive that person completely by next Sunday necessarily. I mean, maybe in some cases that's what needs to happen. I think a lot of times forgiveness takes time and it should take time. Because a lot of times to, to forgive someone instantly and easily wouldn't do justice to the wrong that has been done. But Jesus very clearly tells us we need to be moving towards forgiveness. And, and we can't even begin that journey unless we first name the places where forgiveness is needed. Do you see? So that's why I think it's important for all of us to be thinking about where am I avoiding forgiveness. Be thinking about that. Be praying about that. Because again, according to Jesus, forgiveness is too important to avoid. And if we can move towards forgiveness, we can embody God's love and we can practice loving other people the way that God loves us. Let me pray for us. Oh God, this is, this is challenging. Uh, Lord, this is a, a subject that uh, pushes us. It stretches us. Uh, and, and so for all of those reasons, Lord, it'd be easier to just not think about this or talk about this, um, God. But we thank you that you love us so much and you care about us so much that you call us to think about this anyways because you've placed a calling on our life. You've given us a, a mission that is not our own to go into the world and to show others who you are and what your love looks like, God. We're so grateful that you love us with a forgiving kind of love. We, we need it, God, so desperately. And we know that others need to see your heart and your character. And you've told us that it's our job to go and do that, Lord. So give us the courage to embrace that calling. Give us the wisdom to know what that means. God, help us to think very honestly about where there's forgiveness needed in our hearts and in our life, Lord. And as we begin this series, thinking more about what forgiveness means, would you be opening our eyes, God, open our hearts to help us understand what forgiveness means in the situations that we face. We love you, God. We thank you for your love for us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.